0: Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and
1: part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dories. I used to lie a lot, and I try not to do it anymore, not even little white lies. And I've actually been on this path since I had children, and also since I learned about radical honesty. Now, radical honesty is about being honest about everything. My thoughts, my feelings, where I've been, what I'm doing, what I want to do, my mistakes, all of it. Now, it hasn't been easy, and I haven't always been successful, but it is what I strive for. and. It could be a struggle because honesty and transparency aren't really supported by society. Just think about how you answer the question, how are you? White lies and lies of omission to spare others are no less dishonest. So how can you be more honest, authentic, and transparent? Well, I'm really glad you asked because writer Javier Ortega Oriza is here to share a few ways to get started. So, Javier, thanks so much for being on the show and talking about something we say we all want, but many of us actually don't practice.
0: No, thank you for having me. I'm I'm honored to be here.
1: You wrote a piece, and and a lot of my listeners will know, I actually write for the Good Men Project, and I also read a lot of my fellow writers. And you wrote a piece for them titled, Three Steps to Becoming Radically Transparent. And one of the first things you say is that most people lie. So why do we do that when we all don't like being lied to? Yeah, well, I think it
0: it has to do with the perception that we're raised with That we need to be approved by others all the time, so Mm -hmm. we grow up in a system where we always need to strive a a struggle, a boat to be enough. You know, Mm -hmm. we go to school and and we need to have the highest grade, otherwise uh, we perceive ourselves as less worthy than others. If we play a sport and we don't win, then people well, why didn't you win? And and so on. If you ask somebody out on a date and they say, no, well, now you look like a loser. So, you know, but this is fake. It's it's not real. So I, I think being raised with all those misconceptions, I mean, you know, you miss... Uh, anybody who grew up, I think anyway, but primarily, mm-hmm. for example, I grew up playing sports, so you always need to be on top of your game, or if you miss a shot, you you get... The sun
2: was down. in my eye, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, so I mean, and that translates to every aspect of life, you know, uh, so... I think it comes down the roots of of lying comes down from the fear we have of not being enough in the eyes of others. Mm-hmm. I would say it's it, it's it's basically that is we believe and it's rooted in the belief that has been imprinted on us that we're not mm-hmm. enough.
1: It's really interesting that you mentioned that because I remember when my son was four. And he was supposed to do something. he was supposed to pick up his toys, or he he was supposed to do something. And my husband knew that he hadn't done it, and so he 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 asked my son, "Did you pick up your room?" And my son knew that the correct answer was yes, that was the answer that daddy wanted to hear, and so of course he said yes." and then my husband got really upset because my son was lying to him. I said, "No, no, no, I said, because at four you you that's not possible." but I said he didn't lie to you, he knew the answer that would please you, so that's what he said. I said, next time ask him why he didn't pick up his toys, not ask him. You know? And again, these are the kinds of questions that, that you know, we ask these questions and then seem to get really upset when people don't answer us honestly, But we don't want, but we don't necessarily want to know what that answer is, right? I mean, this is kind of part of what you were talking about, that we want to please people. We want them to like no, it.
2: absolutely.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you make a very good point because usually it starts at home.
2: It mm-hmm. starts
0: with us growing up wanting to please our parents uh, or our caregivers, whoever that is. So mm-hmm. because we learn, uh, and this is wrong, but we learn the answers that will please them,
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: then we project those wounds that we have, and we uh, we gradually create this feeling of insecurity. And, and
2: uh-huh.
0: it's almost like we invalidate ourselves by looking for validation from others. So we learn this at home. I mean, we all learn it since we're kids. You know, we we want to go out, and our parents won't let us. So we lie. We say we're going to go study, but we're not studying. You know, and, and, and this is pretty normal for a child. But uh, mm-hmm. What it's really doing is creating very unhealthy habits. So, I I, I believe that once we are aware of why we're doing what we're doing, then then we can begin to change it. But the root is usually in childhood, and that, and, and that, I would say,
1: longing. Well, and it is tough because it does roll into our relationships because if we learn – because I think what I'm hearing you say, and, and I know that we're going to talk about this later because it's one of the steps you talk about, but it's this idea that we have to fit a certain picture in order to have – you know, in order to be valued, and so we will – Drive, you know, and you you can see this in 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 all kinds of areas where people are not being their real selves because they're afraid that they won't be accepted. I mean, and you know, the teenage years are all are all about that. <laughs> you know, we want to be accepted by by the by these people, and it's. And and so, you know, to me that's the ultimate lie, it's when we are actually lying to ourselves about who we are and what matters to us. Is that even close to what you're talking about here, this radical transparency?
0: Of course, I mean, I I think, so, society, and and this varies depending on which way we're raised and where we Mm -hmm. grow up and all of that, but basically there's this picture of what is accepted depending on, on the segment of society that you grew up in. And, and, and But if you play by those rules, you'll never be enough. You know? You'll never be wealthy enough, uh, strong enough, or smart enough. Uh, I mean, whatever's worshipped and validated in the circle that you're a part of, mm-hmm. if, if you strive to live by those rules, you, you'll always be lying because you'll always try to overplay yourself to get this acceptance.
1: So you say that the first Step to becoming transparent is to pause so what makes this huh? important and how can someone develop this habit especially like in the moment when they're when they're confronted with wanting to lie about something
0: yeah well all of that becomes a habit and, and those uh-huh. habits become your default settings so if you don't pause then those default settings are always responding, and those default settings lie because you've trained them to lie.
2: Or mm-hmm.
0: whoever, uh, the, the environment, whatever, I mean, it's been trained to lie. So the moment you pause, you break them. The moment you pause, you stop responding by your default settings, and you can actually question, well, what's going on here? What am I actually going to say? Is that true? And mm-hmm. You can just... When you pause, you break that chain of thoughts that that cause you to to respond a certain way, and the first thing to do. I mean, we we're it, it's hard initially because we're we're used and, and we are part of a uh, world, especially now with with technology and, and I mean mm-hmm. a lot of wonderful advances, but. You know, the, the, the everybody expects us to respond immediately to everything. Yeah. So it's, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to to break the cycle and to to remind ourselves that we don't actually have to respond immediately. <laughs> we don't
2: actually
0: have to. To I mean, there's no rule that says we have to do that. You know, but it's so hardwired.
1: So, yeah. Okay, so here's what I mean because, you know, we are so hardwired, like you say, to answer immediately, and whether it's the text message that comes through or our partner sitting across the table or our kid wanting an answer. You know, I remember my kids used to, you Mom, I need an answer right now. And it's like, well, you need the answer right now. It's going to be, no, I need some time to think about this. So it is about forming a new habit. It is about just taking a moment. And I would say, you know, just take one. Even if you just took one breath in that pause, that might be enough. But so is 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 it really that simple just to, like, you know, take a beat, take a breath, just get in the habit of before answering or before opening our mouths, even if it's something that we want to ask, to just take a moment and breathe? Is it really that simple?
0: Well, the first step i mean that's that's the first step and and it can be i mean and once you once you have it become a habit, it can be because you train we we can rewire our brains you know we can rewire our default settings just so, mm-hmm. so the more we do it, the easier it gets because it just becomes your new you
2: mhm so to say. okay.
0: So, yeah, So it's and and it just starts. I mean, as you said, sometimes you just need to first to ask for time. We take a breath, we pause, and instead of rushing an answer that we're going to regret,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we can say, "Okay, I cannot tell you right now. Give me a moment."
2: Mm-hmm. And you use
0: that moment to connect to your heart and to know uh, which is uh, the next part. You, right. You 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 feel what's being asked you feel the situation and you then can question whatever comes up i mean why if you want to say if you let's say and i think this is something we know instinctively but at least in my case we know that intuitively we 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 know what we need to do but Mm -hmm. our heads are very fast so then they start getting in the way with all kinds of stuff um, yeah. and, and usually they're, they're successful to, uh, in sabotaging our, our feelings and, and we end up second guessing ourselves and taking the answer that maybe this person believes it's right or the other person believes it's right. or. or
2: uh,
0: but if you look at it, if you question a lot of those things that come up, you, you'll see that most likely they're based on all kinds of feelings that you have.
2: So yeah.
0: So it's... Th- then... I mean, engaging in all that process is really life-changing. But it all starts with with a breath. It all starts with a pause. It all starts with you allowing the the space to help it happen, to to let it happen. And and because I love if you're that. On the go, yeah, yeah. If it's, uh, it's just if you're on the rush all the time, it's uh, it's very hard to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's hard for a lot of reasons. So, this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Doris and I'm having a really important discussion about the importance of becoming radically transparent with author Javier Ortega-Oriza. And if you find yourself confused by the contradictory suggestions to be authentic and to be nice, you're not alone. Telling less than the complete truth is something that most of us do but it actually harms us and our relationships. And if you're holding back in your marriage, it's going to suffer. Knowing how to be gently honest is a skill that you can learn. And if you're interested in how to do that, I invite you to take a moment and send me an email or give me a call and schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after strategy session. You can reach me by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching. N is in Nancy, C is in Charlie, dot com, Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919 Again, that's 919-9240463. And I want to get back to this conversation about three ways to become radically transparent. So Javier, you say that the second step is to question your intentions. So what is this? What does questioning one's intentions look like, and what makes it important? Yeah, so
0: I'm, I'm going to recommend a, a, a book where I'm sure people can find a lot more about this, just in case they want to expand. It's called The Seat of the Soul by Gary Sukobot. I don't know if you're familiar with it.
2: Mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. It's
0: yeah, basically, you know, it's based on the premise that every action is preceded by an intention. And and if we analyze it, I mean, the intention is either rooted in love or, or it's rooted in fear. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to agree to go to a party tonight, uh, uh, why? <laughs> What's my intention behind going to that party? Is it engaging with my friends? Is it, is it seeing somebody... I haven't seen it in a long time? Or is it to make sure that my friends still approve of me even though I really don't want to go? Mm-hmm. Or is it uh, wh- trying to network with somebody that's there to try to get ahead? Like, wh- what? why are you doing what you're doing? If you're agreeing mm-hmm. to something, is it a genuine yes? Or is mm-hmm. it something that's rooted and the fear of not being loved or approved of by the person who's asking.
1: And, and I, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's such a critical thing because we frequently do things without understanding, why am I doing this? What, is, what, what, am I, what am I hoping to achieve, whether it's to get a positive reaction or to avoid an unpleasant one? Totally, exactly,
0: and, and and I think that creates a, a, when we are aware of that, it, it creates a, gray, a very critical tipping point in a, in a decision-making, because let's say you pursue a relationship and mm-hmm. do you love that person, or is it that you're just afraid of being alone,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or if you Need, I mean, uh, in my case, for example, I, I, this is uh, something I've developed over time, but uh, in the past, I, at the first time of trouble, I'm the type of person who would run away. Uh-huh. So, if you're going to leave a relationship, what's the intention behind it? Is it because you're not being valued, you're not being respected? Is it the genuine reason to leave? Or is it because you're afraid of letting your stuff be seen? You know, so is it because you're afraid of, of of showing who you really are and you feel that you're not going to be approved of for who you really are?
1: So, no, I mean, it's, interesting, it's interesting that you point yeah. this out because I talk to my clients a lot about why somebody is agreeing to something that their partner is asking for. Uh-huh. And a lot of times people, quote, unquote, agree. They don't really agree, but they say yes because, they're afraid that their partner is going to be disappointed or mad at them or some other not pleasant experience or they don't they don't want to have a fight or they want to stop a fight they want they want to end some unpleasantness and so they agree to something but then just in that agreement which isn't based in truth then they have to live either they have to follow through on something which they don't want to do or they don't follow through which then doesn't help either so it, it sounds like that if you can stop and figure out the why that you're going to do something it makes yeah, it, absolutely. It, it clarifies things for
0: you totally and, and and I think also something very important that I mean as the person who answers we need to be very aware of what's motivating our answer Mm-hmm. But if we go a step back, then we, we can also see that a lot of... And, and this is not to, to blame somebody else. I mean, we need to mm-hmm. take responsibility for for what we say and what we do, and, and this hopefully sheds some light on how to do it. But if you go a step back, it's usually because the way people ask for things is also very poor. The mm-hmm. communication skills of more people... Are passively very violent. Uh, they do the <laughs> guilt trip or the timing, or so. It's almost like people feel they need to persuade
2: mm-hmm. somebody
0: of doing something. While, in the, if you look at things from a higher perspective, there's no, there's no persuasion. It's either yes or no, and it's either a love-driven yes, or it's something that just doesn't align with you. So, it's. If we learn, I mean, if we, this is something also to look at, like, how uh, how are we asking for what we need, and how can we do that in a non-violent way so that we will open the channel to get better answers,
2: mm-hmm. you know, like,
0: I feel this way, I need this, please, thank you.
2: And mm-hmm. the other person
0: is completely free to say no.
2: Yes. So Absolutely.
0: But but we're not used to that. We're, we're, we're so <laughs> guilty, you know. And, and, and again, it it, it it all starts with little things. We go to somebody's house and we don't like the food, but we eat it because we don't want to make them feel bad.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> but the truly kind thing to do is, to, is just to be honest, you know, and, and, and in a kind, compassionate way. Maybe well,
1: there's something and, and- I don't And I think that that's the trick because, you know, I talk about, like I said in the beginning, I'm a proponent of radical honesty, not brutal honesty. Uh There is never any reason to be unkind to somebody. Um, But we aren't taught how to do that in a lot of ways, and, you know, so it's easier just and, again, this is, you know, the little, you know, the little white lie, the, the lie that's told to bear somebody's feelings like, you know, I don't really like this, this food. And it may not be any, it, anything in the way it was prepared. I just may not care for the spice level or, you know, my daughter's funny. She's one of those people who has, you who know, cilantro tastes like soap to her so anything was she's not gonna like anything with cilantro in it, it she, because it tastes it's like she might as well be eating a bar of soap um, you know and so that's not a it's not a personal attack on the person it's just sharing some information but it's hard exactly. because you know we don't want to disappoint these people we like them <laughs> yes yeah. no
0: I, I agree and and, and, and we, we it, it's hard to do something that you believe will make somebody feel bad and um, But, yeah, I mean, if we do it with, with, from a place of kindness and, and, and we are able to, here's where, where nonviolent communication becomes very important because you, you're coming out of your heart instead of, I'm, I'm like you, I, I like radical honesty, but I don't like brutal honesty. There's no yeah. reason to be rude or disrespectful to anybody ever. So, but
1: again, that, that's a skill. So I, I want to go to the last, Step, because this is one that I think many people struggle with, and I know that I do, and, it's, and, and your last step is to remember that your own worthiness is unconditional and that no event can affect it. So, which sounds really great in theory, but how do we do this? Yeah,
0: well, I, I, I think... And from what I've seen, from my personal experience dealing with that, and, and from what I've seen in, in almost everybody I know,
2: uh,
0: I think that's one of the main wounds that we're here to heal. That's one okay. of the main challenges we're here to overcome because it's hard. Mm-hmm.
2: Because
0: having all the having all the people validate us uh, uh, when they validate us, it, it feels good.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And 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 we are social creatures. We naturally crave for for external love and, and appreciation. So, it's very easy to get attached, you know. And but in reality, I mean, we, if we're able to do this, if we're able to remember that we're worthy, no matter what happens, everything flows so much better. And we end up getting, ironically, we end up getting better results most of the time because we're not pressured, we're not filled with anxiety, we're not filled with fear that somebody might not like us anymore, that this thing is going to go wrong and my whole life is going to be a disaster. So I learned this question from a a former therapist that whenever I was scared about something or anybody was Mm -hmm. scared about something, let's say... So I'll, I'll give you a personal example. It's related to something I, I shared in the in, in the article, and I had another experience like this recently. I'm a I'm a tennis coach among the various things I do,
2: uh-huh. um,
0: and I actually incorporate a lot of mindfulness and and personal growth uh, stuff into the the training. Mm-hmm. And I was playing a match the other day, and I was losing, mm-hmm. and I was. Losing against somebody I was supposed to beat, but you know, <laughs> for some reason I was losing mm-hmm. and, it, uh, and and you know I grew up in a very competitive household and and, and the very competitive circumstances i, I uh, and losing was always uh, i guess in my circle l- losing was always looked down upon so of course. Uh, that, Part of me that, that still needs to heal and, and make peace with the fact that it's a natural part of what happens if you play any game. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, then uh, I, I pay attention to the thoughts that come up. Okay, what's going to happen? What's my worst fear in this situation?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And maybe my worst fear is what people are going to say if they find out I lose. Mm-hmm. Or maybe my worst fear is that my clients no longer want to hire me to give him lessons <laughs> because now he can beat me. Right. Or maybe it's that somebody will say, oh, he's such a bad pro, whatever. It doesn't matter. But let's say those three examples that might be real. Mm-hmm. But then you take a step forward, and you uh, there are two key questions that, that you make. And a lot of it, I mean, you you can find a lot about this, for example, in the work by Byron Katie that's a a very good resource to help you work through this. It's, is it true? That's the first step. Is it Uh true that I'm going to be less worthy for a player or a coach if I lose this match? Uh
2: Uh-huh.
0: Maybe not. I mean, Roger Federer loses matches, uh, you know, Uh Rafael Nadal is the the two best players in the world.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Is their is status that some of the greatest players in history challenged because they lost a match? Not at all. You know, so so we place a lot of value on the short term because we get scared. Oh, I'm going to lose this. So, oh, but then, okay. So let's say the worst fear happens and that client no longer hires me. And uh-huh. is it true? Maybe it's not true. But if it was, why is that bad? Maybe he needs to move on. Maybe he needs to find another trainer. When we eliminate that attachment,
2: mm-hmm. that that's the yeah. fear, you,
0: you, you're able to play pressure free. You're able to just have fun and you're able to give it your best and you're at peace because there's nothing to lose. You you realize it's all a thought, it's all an illusion pretty mm-hmm. much that, that you're holding on to something that cannot be. Help, and when you realise that, it's, it's, you liberate yourself. You're able to come out onto the court or to your work, your, your relationship, whatever you want to do, and come out from a place of wholeheartedness because you—it's you, it, you. Your fears yeah. have been freed.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I do—I I do like that because you know it, it is this idea. And I, for a long time I struggled with the concept of unconditional love that, you know, I thought this doesn't really exist, you know, that if it exists, it, the only place it exists is parent to child. And then I, you know, as, as I've done some learning, it, it is really, unconditional love is about how we feel about ourselves, that we are worthy just because we are. And it's what I tell my clients, and, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, I need to learn this lesson too, that, that you know, there's no baby that, that needs to do something to be valued and loved, they just are. But somehow we we get that twisted around and this idea that, and again, unconditional love doesn't mean that every behavior that I engage in is acceptable behavior, but that me as a person is acceptable. And and it's a hard thing. And and I love the idea of you know, you're talking about letting go of the outcome because you know, that's... It, it, it to me goes to that whole idea of trying to hold water or sand in your hands. The tighter you close yeah. your fist, the more you're going to lose. But if you can just leave your hand open and not, you know, and kind of, not kind of grab onto and grab tightly to this, this one outcome that, that has to exist of, of the multitudinous outcomes out there, you know, we then create what we're afraid of. And that's really where it all goes sideways.
0: Yeah, totally totally I, I the more you hold on to something, uh, the more you lose it like if your worthiness depends on somebody 's approval, then subconsciously you 're going to be looking for that approval all the time
2: mhm,
0: and most likely you 're not going to get it. you might get it temporarily, but as soon as you don't get it, as soon as there 's a sign that you don't have it, you go crazy
1: well, and, and also and, there's this story that you tell yourself that the reason why I'm not getting this is about me, not about the other person, (laughs) which again is the other half of this, that, you know, that my partner may be having a bad day and I have, I didn't have anything, you know, it's not because he's upset with me. He's, you know, something, you know, something unpleasant happened at
0: work. Totally. And most of the times it's that way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's, but, and again, I think that what you're talking about that first, taking that pause that breath then then questioning our intentions so it's like do i have the intention that that this has to go my way that, you know and then what is that about so i love these three steps that of course are are you know, taught in so many ways and and in so many different avenues you know you talked about using it in your in your teaching tennis which of course you know, you'll see these you'll you'll see these new kids, you know, the, the the new players come up come up and they have nothing to lose. So so they play with joy and abandon and sometimes they win. Yeah. Which is yeah. you know because technically they shouldn't win, right? Because yeah. but but because they don't have a stake in it. Yeah you know, they exactly. can Yeah. Oh I love yeah, this. exactly.
0: Yeah, the higher the higher your stake I mean, the the more uh, the higher the attachment you mm-hmm. like, I would say. It's, mm-hmm. uh, the more fearful you get, as I mean, you get tight, you stop playing well, you you try to win at all costs. You you know, you might call it all out here and there. You know, I mean, I see all kinds of behaviors, but it's all motivated by the same
2: mm-hmm.
0: fear. The better you get, yeah. am I still going to be enough if I lose this game? yes mm-hmm. yes but it's hard to find if you didn't look for it so <laughs>
1: that's true well Javier thank <laughs> you so much for coming on and talking about what you know is such an important and honestly it's a freeing topic when people can do this they life gets easier and better whatever that would look like for anybody because you're because you're in the moment and you're not um, contemplating gloom and doom so, where can people learn more about you and read more of your stuff? because by the way, guys, you're just talking to him, but go read this article. He's a fantastic writer. <laughs> I love good writers so, thank yeah. you
0: thank you well i mean i, I i'd be so I, I write a lot in medium for example they can
2: mm-hmm.
0: I can be found as j o a my initials and then the word publishing so j o a publishing you can find many articles there I, I i write a lot and about numerous different topics but a lot related to this process of spiritual growth personal growth and development and how that impacts every every aspect of her life and my, my emails get my email can be found there as well so if anybody wants to connect that we i'd be grateful and happy to to connect over there as well and and happy to, to be of help.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because being completely honest can feel really scary. And it's quite true that other people may not like or appreciate your radical transparency. But the one person you always are with is you. And when you live in alignment with that person, those around you will be able to fully trust you as well. And the key thing to remember is that you have the ability to be gently but unapologetically honest. So the question is, will you? And hopefully you found this show interesting and you will continue to listen. And until next week, stay loving.